Hello to all of you unconventional conventionists. Welcome back to Rocky Talkie. I'm Nikki. Yeah, I'm Aaron. And I'm Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Hi, Nikki. What are you doing here, Jacob? Uh, I, I don't know. I was just in the neighborhood and I figured, you know, I, I might as well check out my friends down at the old podcast recording station. Hi. Oh, yeah. Hey, thanks for stopping in. How have you been? How was your week? I have been doing great. I recently started going to, I started my grad, my first semester of grad school studying computers, and it is terrifying, but I am having a good time and learning and looking forward to the future. What about you, Nikki? What did you do this week? Um, I actually, I was able to have like four days off of work. So I drove down to Pennsylvania and I spent the weekend hanging out with my sister and visiting her and her fiance and her dogs. And I had a really good time. I actually do have something that I want to yell about, though. Are you guys okay with that? Sure. Okay. We need to talk about Pennsylvania and its inability to plan out safe traffic patterns because the (laughs) hellscape that I went through this weekend, I drove home on Saturday and my sister lives like three hours away. She lives kind of like deep in Pennsylvania. So Uh I wanted to leave her house before the sunset because I am a baby and I don't like to drive in the dark by myself. So I left at like three o'clock, a reasonable hour, and 10 minutes into my drive, I got stuck in bumper to bumper traffic on a windy, dirty back road of Pennsylvania for two and a half hours. This wasn't a highway. This wasn't like a popular area. It was two lanes, like just go or come. That was it. No streetlights, nothing in this long ass line for two and a half hours. And then eventually when I got close enough, I realized that was just a long line to get into the Pocono Raceway. And everyone (laughs) was so aggressive. And I just don't understand. Like, you know, this is happening. You plan the events. Why not offer an alternate route? Why not give us a warning? Because I, and I'll tell you, I was like one of three people in that fucking line that weren't going to the raceway. And people were mean, and an old man in a pickup truck yelled at me, and a guy in a crossing guard outfit made a mean gesture at me, and I was like, I am not here for your fancy little Pennsylvania excursion. Let me go home. And then I went home. But it was hell. It, it, it turned from a, a three-hour drive to a five-hour drive. I will never do that again. That is the fucking worst. I'm, I'm so sorry, Nikki. It was bad, but I'm hoping that you had a better week, Aaron. How was your week? Uh, my week was shit as well. Oh. No. <laughs> I mean, my, my week went okay. I had a bit of a family emergency I had to deal with, so Meg and I had to fly down to see my parents. Uh, really? This last week. Yeah, yeah. We were down in North Carolina for a couple of days. Got everything sorted out there, though. Everybody's doing okay. Uh, love you, Mom. But uh, it was a bit of a unexpected trip. So that was kind of uh, all of my last week was devoted to doing that and uh, being down in North Carolina. Yeah. I had no idea. Yeah, it was uh, unexpected for everybody, but uh, everything turned out okay. So. Well, I'm really glad that things are okay. I always thought North Carolina was like birds, like the government made it up, but I guess not. You learn something new every day. Yeah, no, it is real. It is real. There are real people there, and uh, they even have a uh, an airport right by. 
Like we, oh, this, this is horrible though. So we found out that we had to run down there and I immediately got flights, you know, for us to go down. And then the next morning we got up and we were getting ready and I was like, oh, I should put the flight information into my Delta app in my phone. And I connected my, my account to the app and I loaded up and it says 19 days until your flight. And I go, what do you mean 19 days? You mean like an hour and 19 minutes, right? Cause I'm about to go to the airport. No, no, turned out I had accidentally bought flights for two weeks later than I was supposed to. And we had to, like, last minute try and find another flight. Uh, we were able to, thank goodness. But, like, I had a whole derp moment on that one. So that was that was a great way to start off that trip. Wait, you said this was Delta? <laughs> yeah. Okay, I'm literally currently booking a trip for my birthday. And I was going through the motions of booking my flight on Delta and right as I was about to hit pay, like I put all of my information in, I noticed I was booking a flight for two weeks later. So I think that that's on them and not you. All right. I'll take it. It's definitely <laughs> not my fault. You it's heard not it your here. Fault. <laughs> Delta, get your shit together. XOXO, Rocky Talkie. And with that, <laughs> I think it's time that we get started with our first segment. Sponsored by Delta. Global news. No, we're sponsored by Spirit. Come on. <laughs> yeah, let's be real. If there's one of them that's going to sponsor us, it sure as hell isn't the good one. <laughs> you saying Delta's the good one? Better than Spirit. Anything's better than Spirit. I'll take a train over Spirit. All right. Anyway. First up in global news, we were so excited to learn that our favorite slut, Susan Sarandon, will be starring in a new TV show, Monarch, which premieres on Fox this upcoming January. The series centers around the Romans, the fictitious progenital family of the country music industry. Sarandon stars as Dottie Cantrell Roman, the matriarchal head of the family, and Anna Friel plays as her daughter, Nicolette Nikki Roman. Progenital family? It means the family had something to do with the formation of the country music industry. I just like a $12 word, you stupid plebeian. My name is Nikki. Well, while we haven't heard much regarding this series, we do have a nice statement describing what the show will be about. This came from the creator, Melissa London Hilfers. Monarch is described as a Texas-sized, multi-generational musical drama about America's first family of country music, the Romans. The Romans are headed by the insanely talented but tough-as-nails queen of country music Dottie Cantrell Roman, played by Susan. Along with her beloved husband, Albie, Dottie has created a country music dynasty. But even though the Roman name is synonymous with authenticity, the very foundation of their success is a lie. And when their reign as country royalty is put in jeopardy, heir to the crown, Nicolette Nikki Roman, will stop at nothing to protect her family's legacy while ensuring her own quest for stardom. Gasp. So as well as creating, Hilfers will write and serve as the show's executive producer. They've also brought on a team of other producers who are super knowledgeable about the country music industry. Gail Berman and Hend Baghdadi will be executive producing alongside Sandbox Entertainment's Jason Owen, a leading country music manager who represents the likes of Faith Hill, Little Big Town, and Casey Musgraves. Some of Owen's clients and friends are expected to be appearing and performing on the show. Monarch is produced by Fox Entertainment, and it's nice to kind of have that connection, right? Eh? The show is a few months away from premiering, so that's all we have for now. But we'll be sure to keep you up to date on all things Susan Sarandon, Monarch, and otherwise. For now, we wish Susan and the rest of the creative team all the broken legs. Next up, 
instead of our regularly scheduled coverage of UK tour updates, or maybe an Ori Aduba interview, no, this week we've got a special treat. Greg Proops recently went on Talk Culture, a live podcast, and talked all about his love of Rocky Horror. You'll know Proops from his Mega Chad Thundercock Wikipedia page, which includes his girthy tenure with Whose Line Is It Anyway, as a cast member of the original British version, and, as of 2020, a total of 74 appearances on the American version, more than any other non-regular cast member. Man, I, I love Whose Line Is It Anyway. He was fucking hilarious on that. Absolutely. I love that show. He was also the voice of Bob the Builder and may live in your head as the image of what a businessman would look like if he were mixed with one quarter mad scientist. Talk Culture is a podcast show streamed live Tuesdays and Thursdays with hosts Kid Cadet and Danica Janelle, where they talk culture. Get it? Oh, I get it. Okay, sorry. Yeah, it took me a second. <laughs> I'm lost. It's okay. The uh, program used to operate as one of the talk shows for GalaxyCon under the moniker Rock Around the Ring, in line with Kid Cadet's past as a ring announcer. But on November 10th, 2020, the team came out with their first Talk Culture episode interviewing Slade Wiggins. What sets them apart is that their audience can actually interact with the interviewer, chiming in answers or questions based on the conversation and getting to see their input up on the screen for a little bit. Danica and Kid have been podcasting and interviewing guests twice a week since then, and they've already amassed a huge library of guests, including Dave Batista, Tommy Chong, and now Greg Proops. On to the interview. So we here at Rocky Talkie are no strangers to whose line is it anyway. What's that, Grandpa? Hey, Nikki, Aaron and I are both grandpas here. Whose line was awesome. Plus, it was cool as hell to see Greg pay homage to our favorite ridiculous movie. Early on in the interview, he did the thing we all do with Rocky, where we recast the film using our favorite celebrities. Except Greg did a fictional recast using the Whose Line actors. Oh man, that's pretty funny. What, what was his dreamcast? What did that look like? Let's see. He did Wayne Brady as Frankenfurter, Brian Stiles as Riff Raff, uh, Drew as Eddie, obviously, uh, Colin Mockery as Doubling Krim and Scott, uh, Chip Esten as Brad, Aisha Tyler, who's from the newer version, as Janet, himself as Magenta, oddly enough, and Jeff Davis as Columbia. Oh, man, that's a pretty great list. Which one of these is the funny balding man? That would be Colin Mockery as Crim slash Scott. All right, thank you. That's all I needed mm -hmm. to know. <laughs> so going down this list, I, I was super surprised to see it, that uh, Jeff revealed he's been dying to play Magenta and absolutely loves the character. Hey, Greg, buddy, if you're listening, the New York City cast is always open. For applications, of, of course. There's a mandatory waiting period before you can be on stage. You know, you got to learn the ropes and yada yada. But hey, 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 you know, for a professional, I'm sure the six weeks of tech will fly right by. Even for aging stars who in their prime brought happiness and laughter to millions at home and abroad? Even them. Especially them. Six weeks. When asked what movie he would like to see Shadowcast, he mentioned The Hunger with David Bowie and Footloose, though he felt the AP for Footloose wouldn't get farther than Hey Hillbilly. When asked about his favorite moment watching a Shadowcast, he let listeners know that at his very first viewing after Time Warp, quote, when all the queens began stomping, he was just like, 
well, really, really high at the time. So he was completely freaked out. His favorite shadow casting prop is the toast. His favorite callback interaction is describe your balls, large, black, pendulous. That's uh, that's a bit low hanging fruit there. Uh, it's also incorrect. That's okay. Uh, since <laughs> Frankenfurter is a hot dog, uh, Proops was asked about what food he fancies himself. And he said if he wanted to be popular, he'd say pizza. But in being true to his heart, he'd have to go with beef chow fun. That's about everything Rocky they got to talk about. But if you're interested in taking a look at the interview for yourself, we here at Rocky Talkie have created the perfect drinking game for the occasion. Unfortunately, no one told Kid Cadet about the term shadowcast, so take a shot every time she tries to use the words audience, interactive, and movie in different combinations instead of saying shadowcast. Lol. Yeah. And lastly, while I was checking this out, I noticed Kid Cadet has this poster in her frame, and I was wondering, Aaron... If just off the quarter of the poster we can see, could you identify it? For our listeners, it's a yellow poster with what could be Tim Curry written very tiny on the bottom right, the words Rocky Horror Picture Show in the classic Rocky font, and what we think is a line of stilettoed legs just above the movie title, as well as credits below the title. So, Aaron, any guesses? I I don't have to guess at this at all. This is the uh, B-movie poster uh, that was published in 1975 for the original showing. Uh, It's the He's the Hero poster. So it's the one where Frank is sitting on the throne. There's that whole line of legs uh, kicking out underneath it. And along the top, there's a He's the Hero, Yes, the Hero uh, kind of promo on it. Uh, more specifically, because fuck you, Jacob, uh, this appears to be a reprint poster, not an original. Uh, the original posters have about a one and a half inch white bar around the entire circumference of the poster. Uh, this doesn't seem to have it, so my guess is it's a reprint. Uh, also, that autograph on there is indeed Tim Curry, uh, although I'd be a little skeptical if that's an original Tim Curry. You got to be real careful when you're picking up posters and other things online because there's been a ton of Tim Curry forgeries out there lately. Uh, So, yes, it looks to be Tim, but I'm not sure if that's an original autograph. Um, Also, little thing, if you're interested or someone you know in purchasing a Rocky Horror Type B poster, a little birdie just told me that FNS may or may not be debuting them at our next show, which is this Friday. So I don't know, but we may or may not be selling them. And you may or may not be able to get, you know, a little good deal of buy one poster, get another one free. And I make most of them. Anyway, uh, let's move on. Is that uh, is that the full size one or are you guys doing like the, uh, the mini it's posters? 11 by 8, 8 by 11. I don't, know. I don't print them. I just make them. But I didn't make this one, obviously. Anyway. Oh, oh, you don't you don't want to know more about the Type B poster? Let's, let's get into it. Was, you know, Type you know, B actually, I wanted I wanted to say something about the Type B poster. So, Aaron, oh. you're telling me that this mm-hmm. is a B poster from the '70s? Is that correct? Is that what you're saying? Uh, well, no. The the poster uh, design uh, uh, yes or no, is the Aaron, B yes poster. Or no. Uh, see, no. I, I have a problem. Is... I have a problem with a B poster from the '70s because. The B movie did not come out until 2007, Aaron. God a full damn it, Jacob. 37 years after the fact. So where where'd those 37 years go, Aaron? With that, huh? I'll be quitting the show. Thank you guys so much for this opportunity, but I'm going to go pursue more realistic and well-deserving endeavors. God damn it, Jacob. <laughs> Take your line, bitch. 
<laughs> All right. With that, we wish Talk Culture, Kid Cadet, Danica Janelle, and the multi-talented Greg Proops all the best. You can check Talk Culture out on Twitch, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, and they even have their own website, all under Talk Culture. And you can check Greg out in the upcoming Izzy Lion, The Unspun Truth. The trailer is out now. Now, before we start our last global news segment, I've got a question for you both. What specifically springs to mind when you hear the phrase Rocky Horror? I always get that image of that Reddit post of the dude who liked to smush his penis between two panes of glass. Sorry. Uh. What? <laughs> My apologies. Uh, let's see. What springs to mind when I hear the phrase Rocky Horror? I mean, fishnets and lipstick, right? That's right. A bunch of idiots running around in our underwear. <laughs> Oh, that too, I guess. There it is. Um, I feel like that mental image is pretty much synonymous with Rocky Horror, which is why it's always surprised me that no major companies have Rocky underwear lines. Wait, really? Well, kind of. I mean, there are some Rocky underwear lines. The stage show often does underwear as one of the purchasables that you can get, you know, at the show, at the stalls and stuff. But there aren't any, like, major Rocky underwear that have been out, at least not in the last couple of years. I mean, yeah, a Google search mostly gives you pictures of gold costume shorts from the movie, and a Google shopping search sends you to Redbubble and other custom printing sites where you can have any image printed on anything. But if you want underwear with, say, Frank's face on it, you are out of luck. Until now, that is. That's right. Wild Mode is a Scotland-based small business that specializes in sustainable textiles. It was launched in January of 2019 by a woman named Deborah, who suffers from chronic pain while being a single mom to two children with developmental difficulties. Deborah founded Wild Mode because she found there to be a shortage of sustainable companies that produce ultra-comfortable underwear, swimsuits, leggings and shorts, ostomy bags, diabetic pump and TENS machine belts, reusable wash pads, and face masks. So this company is actually really incredible. Uh, Wild Mode's prime directive is, like we said, sustainability, which means they aim to produce as little waste as possible. For example, all of their unusable scrap fabric is donated to a company that hosts creative workshops for children with developmental disabilities. In fact, one of the company's proudest accomplishments is its 100% carbon neutral footprint. They also pride themselves in being gender and size inclusive, with sizes that range from X small all the way up to 10XL. Wild Mode wants to make sure that every body has access to their comfortable, easy to wear, and fun as hell clothing. Which brings us to our topic for today. Wild Mode has recently come out with a line of Rocky Horror underwear. They've got high-waisted briefs, boxer shorts, wireless triangle bras, and comfort tops which look like a sports bra or a crop tank top. The pattern is really cute. It's a gray background with Frank's face and a set of the lips, interspersed with the phrase, even smiling makes my face ache. Every piece is made of 95% cotton, highly stretchy and specially created with smooth seams that won't irritate your skin. We've got this underwear line linked for you in our show notes, and we highly recommend you check them out. They've got lots of super cute clothing in a really wide range of fun prints and patterns. And can I just say, as Meg and I were writing this segment, we were obviously looking through their site, and we were both absolutely blown away by the models this company used in their pictures. They had an insanely diverse range of models who all looked like real people. 
They had at least one model for every size of clothing they carried, so you could get an idea of what each piece might look like on you. They had a spectrum of ages, genders, even a diverse range of physically abledness. To showcase their insulin pump belt, they used a model who actually used an insulin pump. Which seems like the most obvious thing in the world, but you know most companies out there would rather produce a glossy, photoshopped ad rather than show an actual human being using their product. And in that same vein, I'm no expert, but it didn't look like a single one of their models was photoshopped, which felt really refreshing. Anyway, end of rant. I'll get off my soapbox, but it was something I noticed and felt really good about. No, you're absolutely right, Jacob. It is super awesome to be supporting a company that clearly has both a moral compass and how it produces its products and how it interfaces with their clients and just, you know, the world at large. Yeah, definitely all the more reason to check them out. If you'd like to, you can find them at wildmode.com. That's wild with an E. <laughs> we'll be sure to link their Rocky Horror line for you in our show notes for easy access. Giggity. And with that, let's move it on over into community news. Guys, guys, seriously, guys, yeah. do we have like the most exciting community news ever or what? Like, yes. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. September 8th, 2021 at 6.25 p.m. was literally the best day of my whole entire life. Bar fucking none. Wait, what? What What? What the fuck happened? All right, Jacob's not on Facebook. See, this is what happens when you act all pretentious. You miss out on key plot points. I'm not pretentious. Social media is terrible for my mental health. Fuck you both. Tell me what happened. Well, Jacob, on September 8th at 6.25 p.m., we got a spicy hot post from the very lovely Fred Moreau with some delicious news. I love delicious news. Tell me the delicious news. Who is Fred Moreau? <laughs> Fred is awesome, and he gave us our con dates for RKO4. Oh, God, what is it? Tell me everything. <laughs> Fred announced to us that RKO4 is going to be held from Wednesday, August 3rd through Sunday, August 7th, 2022. Okay, first of all, I am booking my ticket right now. How are we getting there and where are we staying? Well, if you're planning to travel by bus or train, right now is a fucking fantastic time to start booking your trip. With both those modes of transport, the further out you book, the cheaper your ticket will be. Yeah, I'm looking right now. A round-trip Greyhound bus from New York to Providence is less than 30 bucks. Holy shit. And a round-trip Amtrak is only 50 of course, your mileage may vary with that, as you have to live nearish to Providence for the cost-benefit to work in your favor. But if you live only a few hours' drive from Rhode Island, that's definitely something you might want to consider sooner rather than later. Uh, yeah, take it from me, it does really suck to drive home all hungover on the morning after a con. And depending on where you live, a $50 round-trip ticket will probably at least be the same as gas and tolls if not cheaper. If you live further out and need to fly, it's definitely too soon to book your flight. But please consider this your friendly reminder to turn on your price tracking on Google Flights so you can get alerts for good prices wherever you are. 
Are we are we shilling for Google now? Oh. Okay, so I can figure out travel, but where are we staying? Well, we reached out to the ravishing Fred Moreau, and we have it confirmed that the con will be held at the Providence Hilton, same as RKO3 back in 2019. Oh, hell yeah. That is awesome news. That hotel is so wonderful. The staff really seem to, like, get us and know how to handle all of our craziness. Like, I remember RKO3, the uh, first night that there was, like, you know, stuff going on at the hotel and everybody was running around kind of, you know, to different party rooms and whatever. The hotel staff immediately were like, oh, shit, this is going to be a little too crazy. Like, they're going to, they're going to, like, keep up all the other guests running around from party to party so what did they do they just opened up one of the conference rooms down at the first floor along with the patio and just said you know what everybody out here go have fun party to your heart's content and that was awesome of them i had a great experience at that hotel almost everybody i know you know didn't have any problems with them and they were super fantastic so pumped to be going back there but jacob don't book anything yet Make sure you wait for the block of convention rooms to be announced so that you can get our special discounted rate. Plus, you want to make sure you end up on a con floor where all the action is. Oh man, this is so exciting. I know, this is going to be such a good first con. Oh, you guys are going to love it, but guys, there's more. What do you mean more? That's all that got announced. I scoured the groups looking for any more info, but that was all we got. Yeah, but do you really think that Fred would chat with us without dishing out a little extra info? He wouldn't do our listeners like that. Oh man, what did he say? What did he say? Well, first of all, we learned that there's a very preliminary schedule set for the con already. Of course, it's still very early on in the planning process, but we'll give you some broad strokes, (laughs) as we know them to be. So, the fun is going to start Wednesday night with early bird festivities in the evening. We'll all get checked into our rooms, make our obligatory con runs to the liquor store. It's just over the bridge, across the way. We know exactly where it is. Hit us up. We'll tell you where it is. Uh, You got to go to the condom aisle at CVS at the Providence Place Mall, uh, the Crisco aisle at the local grocery store. If memory serves, the Regency Plaza Market is just like a few blocks away. They've got a, a, a ton of different things, you know, lots of cooking oils and whip toppings you, you'll be all set and then we'll get to start the party with everyone else who wanted to be an early bird what the fuck listen if you don't get there on wednesday all the butter flavored shortening jars get bought up and you're gonna end up with a can of like non-stick spray and that's a mediocre time for everyone i am just calling it like i sees it Thursday and Friday are slated to be workshops and panels during the day in the hotel's main ballroom with different sorts of entertainment in the evening. Entertainment? You mean talent shows and Dr. Horrible? Is that what you say? Is that what you say? Uh, you know, a little talent shows, a little Dr. Horrible, maybe. Who knows, but we live in hope for Shadow Cats. It does look like Shockey is scheduled for Friday evening, as is tradition, followed by a party and an after party, and an after after party. And right now, Saturday looks like a big block of entertainment. And of course, the Rocky All-Star Show. Oh, it's gonna be so much fun! Guys, I am so pumped, and Fred is such a great guy for sharing all of this info with us. He's a gentleman and a scholar. Guys, there's more. Wait, seriously? More? Tell us! Well, you know how we get special con merch every year? 
Yeah. This year, RKO is going to be releasing RKO4 con pins, and we, the community, are going to get to pick the design. Fred will be making an announcement about that in the upcoming week, so everyone should definitely be on the lookout for that post. Oh, man, that's going to be awesome. And it's going to be such a tough one to choose, right? I mean, they always come up with, like, just the coolest merch and such gorgeous pin designs. Well, if you want even more RKO pins, we've also got it on good authority that they're about to release another Kickstarter line that you're all going to love. Trust me, I'm a doctor. Wait, what? That's right, Aaron. I got my doctorate last week. You're not the only one with spicy hot tea. Who the fuck wants spicy tea? That's just gross. Fred is about to release a line of shock treatment pins to Kickstarter that all of our listeners should be sure to keep an eye out for. This is something the community has been asking for for a while, and I know none of us can wait to see the new designs. Yeah, we'll definitely keep you posted on the new Kickstarter, both the designs and the project's progress, plus any new con news we may happen to come across. Oh man, I'm, I'm pumped for RKO. I am also super pumped for shock treatment pins. That sounds cool. So, of course, we'd like to give a humongous thank you to Fred for sharing all of this info with us and for all of his incredibly hard work on the convention. We appreciate you so much, dude. We cannot wait to all party together at the end of next August. Listen, guys, before we transition into our last piece of community news, I know we don't usually do this, but can we backtrack to the Crisco thing for a second? <laughs> I just want to take a moment and say how much I enjoy listening to Grandpa Aaron's crazy con stories of yore. He makes them sound so insane and wild. Yeah, it's so dope to get him talking about them. And the longer he talks, the more ridiculous the stories get. Like, according to Aaron, everyone who goes to a con always experiences this one very specific moment. It's always the second or third night after relentless hours of debauchery. You're three cramped hotel remorgies deep, exhausted working off the high from your second mountain of blow, and somewhere between your third and fourth bottle of cheap, tasteless vodka, you stop and think to yourself, man, this is great! But if I don't stop, I'll lose my nose to the coke, my liver to the Hennessy, and my penis to a rogue magenta. Guys, you shouldn't talk about Meg like that. She, she always gives the penis back. It's around then that you grab the rest of your exhausted group, you go back to your room, if it's empty, and some of your compatriots take a nap and eat a cold slice of two-day-old pizza, but after all said and done, the only real solution for the exhaustion of a Rocky Con is the rejuvenating powers of a board game. And what board game better to play at a Rocky Con than a Rocky Horror-themed murder mystery? If you're like us, and feel this exact scenario deep in your soul... And we assume you wouldn't be listening to the show if you didn't... Then we have some great news for you. The Zoom board game Little Shop of Rocky Horrors combines the human feasting plant of Little Shop with the party hijinks and dazzle of the Rocky Horror cast to deliver a predominantly Rocky Horror-themed Halloween murder mystery game for 4 to 20 players able to play in person or over Zoom. This is a new game from the Master of Mystery board game site. You and your friends play kind of a clue-style board with a plot free for you to roleplay in. So the story is as follows. A local theater group is putting on a production of Little Shop of Horrors. 
The entire cast travels out to a country estate to shoot publicity photos, but a sudden rainstorm forces them to take shelter in the manor house. Inside, they are shocked to find a huge, raucous party of odd characters going on, led by the twin scientists Curry and Cox and Furder. I like that remake reference. They're even more shocked when their director slash photographer, Roger Corperson, who has been poking into corners to take intrusive pictures, is found dead at the bottom of the elevator shaft. You and your party go on to find out who killed your photographer. It may even have been you. We don't know much about gameplay beyond that, but honestly, does it really matter? This is a Rocky Horror game. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably going to either buy this game or play someone else's copy at a party. It's just a given. Yeah, it's listed as a medium difficulty game with a lot of replayability due to the multiple different outcomes that the game can end with. Uh, Games can range from one and a half hours to three and a half hours and is designed for ages 13 and up. The game looks fun, but what stands out are the character names. The creators literally named the game Little Shop of Rocky Horrors, so I don't think they're too worried about copyright infringement, but the characters are named as though they are, and it's hilarious. The cast is as follows. Curry Enferder and... Cox Enferder, twin mad scientists and mansion owners. Magrunta, the housekeeper, maid, and partygoer, speaks with an odd accent. Colombian, partygoer and further groupie, loves to tap dance, squeaky voice. You've also got Rough Riff, the mansion handyman and uh, partygoer. He's very suspicious of strangers. Branded, the nerdy, hot-tempered visitor, also lost in the storm. Jarnit, timid, swooning visitor, also lost in the storm. Roki, a further creation, gorgeous but not terribly bright. And Mitt Loafer. The gullible Grubhub driver who gets invited to dinner. He was delivering pizza! And Dr. Great Scott, rival mad scientist hoping to learn something from the further crowd. There's even a few Transylvanians and a cast of people from Little Shop, but this isn't a Little Shop podcast, so you'll have to check out the site for those names. All the deets are, of course, available in our show notes. This game looks like a cool time. Check it out for yourself. I'm sure it'll make you the Chad Thundercock of your next Rocky event. And speaking of Chad Thundercock, we've got a write-in for this week's delicious Knack Snack. Well, more accurately, we had a write-in several weeks ago, but it seems one of our writers has been too lazy to get around to it. I I promise you, it it wasn't lazy. This one was just super difficult to find anything about. That's exactly what a lazy person would say. Just read the write-in. Yeah? Too lazy to even do that? I see how it is. This week's write-in comes from Josh, the director over at The Irrational Masters. Josh writes, A few years ago, I discovered a video of Russell Crowe playing Eddie slash Dr. Scott in a late 80s run of the Rocky Horror Show in New Zealand. Since then, I have wondered what other celebrities have been attached to the Rocky community. More specifically, shadowcasting Rocky, like a before they were famous. Most of us have heard about Eric McCormick's Frank, Joan Jett's Columbia, and the late great Luke Perry's Brad. But those were all runs of the stage show. Do we have any records of famous shadowcasters? Ooh, nice. I think I can take this one. Um, I doubt it. Oh, ye of little faith. 
Let me tell you all about the most famous Shadowcaster of all time. Well, the future most famous Shadowcaster of all time. His name is Jacob Irving Roger Gordon, and he was born a poor black child. He remembers the days sitting on the porch with his family singing and dancing down in Mississippi. I'm sorry, no, mm, no, no. Also, a little racist, I think. I'm, let's not do that. It's it, it's a quote. It, it's from Steve Martin's The Jerk. Okay, whatever. You think I've seen that? You're a jerk. They call me Jerkin' Jacob. Oh my god, I cannot with you two. Answer the actual question, please. I'm actually super curious about it. Give me some of that hot celebrity gossip. So, okay, I, I scoured high and low for this one. I reached out to several members of the community, many who have been around a lot longer than I have, and I came up with, well, very little. That's helpful. Way to go. I can't say I'm surprised. Turns out when you spend all your free time running around naked in a movie theater or making costumes to wear in a movie theater or working on props and blocking and learning how many times Riff Raff blinks in every shot... Well, you don't find a lot of time to, you know, become a big celebrity. <laughs> but I didn't come up totally empty-handed. I've got a couple people here that some of our audience may not be aware of, and I'm absolutely positive that there are a lot more out there. So if any of our listeners know of some celebrity shadow casters, please drop us a line over at our website. You know it. That's RockyTalkyPodcast.com. So who have we got? Well, first up, I feel like we should throw a shout out to someone who was there at the very beginning. So you may not count them as a shadow caster simply because shadow casting didn't exist yet. And that's Michael Stipe, lead singer for the band R.E.M. Wait, really? Like the fucking like, it's the end of the world as we know it. Like that, that one? Yeah. Well, that is so cool. Was he actually involved in a shadow cast, or uh, you said he was around before shadow casting was really a thing? So that must mean the seventies. Exactly. We certainly know Michael attended a number of shows, and not just attended, he dressed the part of Frank. That is. So Michael appears in a nineteen seventy-eight TV news report for a show called Newsbeat, broadcast out of St. Louis. Seventy-eight. So that's even before he formed REM. Yep. Michael Stipe graduated from high school in Collinsville, Illinois in 1978. He then moved for college to Athens, Georgia, and it was at the University of Georgia where he formed R.E.M. The band dropped out of school in 1980 to focus on the music and becoming the chart-topping international sensation we are all familiar with today. So what do we know about his time at Rocky? You said he appeared on a news show as Frank? Yeah, so the clip is a pretty standard piece about Rocky from the late 70s. It highlights the cult phenomenon and the people that attend Rocky, but all with kind of a fairly conservative and, like, stuffy slant. These early interviews and, and pieces seem to have a really difficult time wrapping their head around Rocky. They're often done by news reporters who can't believe that the people were dressing up as the characters and dancing and singing in the theater. Like, it was just a whole new thing. That's actually what they asked Michael about in the clip. 
Right from the beginning, you know the reporter doesn't get it. Taken at the Varsity Theater in University City in St. Louis, the news report opens with a pan down the waiting line of Rocky fans, all dressed in their best, with the reporter doing a voiceover telling you, no, these people are not crazy. I mean, they kind of were. All Rocky people are kind of crazy, but we'll forgive them. Michael appears partway through the clip, being interviewed by reporter Michael Brown, dressed in full Frank makeup, leather jacket, pearls, corset, the whole nine yards. He says, in a very matter-of-fact tone, that Rocky, quote, is an excellent movie. It really is. We're all quite normal, really, said Michael Stipe. The reporter, a bit incredulous of this man in drag, asks, if you had to prove that, how would you go about doing it? To which Michael replies he would show up tomorrow afternoon dressed in our little Casey pig shirts and blue jeans. That would be normal, asks the reporter. To which Michael replies, I guess for the normal St. Louis Casey fan, yes, it would. That's pretty great. Michael knew the Rocky Horror Party line long, long ago. Was there any evidence that he was performing? Or is this all like way too far before Shadowcast for that to even be realistic? Yeah, even in 1978, this was still before Rocky Cast had begun to start shadowing the movie. You had the floor show out in California, but that was, you know, always doing it alongside the record uh, or the audio recording. And you had the beginnings of it in New York, but it was still mostly an audience participation phenomenon. Other theaters all around the country reported the same kinds of stuff, but no real shadow cast yet. We do know a little more about the venue that Michael is at, though, thanks to an Open Culture article from 2016. According to the article, Rocky Horror came to St. Louis in March of 1976, showing at the Varsity Theater. That's the same one that we see in this video clip. Supposedly, the movie ran every night as the main feature for about three weeks. Pete Pision, who owned The Varsity, brought the film back as a midnight movie on occasional weekends for the rest of the year and on through 1977. By May of 1978, Rocky Horror was playing every weekend as the midnight movie. And this is when the news clip was filmed, at the height of the beginning of the Rocky Horror craze. And Michael Stipe was there, dressed as Frank, dancing in the aisles with the rest of us. Pretty cool. Pretty cool. All right. Who's next? So this one is someone who has been super vocal about their involvement in the community, and that is a drag superstar, Trixie Mattel. Oh, hell yeah. Love me some drag race. Trixie Mattel is the stage name of Brian Furcus. He was on season seven of Drag Race and won All Stars 3. Since Drag Race, Trixie did a number of web specials, has a huge online presence, has put out multiple albums, and even has a cosmetic line, and recently started their own cosmetic company. But that's not why we're talking about Trixie. We're talking about her because her start in drag was actually Rocky Horror. She talks about her time doing Rocky in a video where she reacts to a 10-year-old makeup tutorial video literally teaching you how to do Frankenfurter makeup. That was pretty neat. Trixie was a member of the Sensual Daydreams cast out of Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the Oriental Theater. In the video, Trixie obviously reacts to her Frank tutorial but also talks a lot about how important Rocky was for a young gay man who didn't have a good outlet to express himself. Rocky gave Trixie the freedom to wear fishnets and heels, and it really helped him to come out of the closet and embrace himself. And this video is super fun. You can really see in the old footage that before Trixie was Trixie, 
She was just Brian, a shadowcaster from Milwaukee who cared about screen accuracy, like the rest of us. There's even a fun rant uh, that Trixie goes on about how too many Franks are wearing clown white makeup, something that I think we can all relate to having bitched about at one point or another. Seriously, stop it with the clown white, folks. Go look at Tim, go look at yourself, and throw that shit in the trash. Frank is not a clown. That's the other Tim Curry movie. Clue? Sure, Jacob. Whatever. You got one more for us? Another celebrity shadow caster? Okay, yeah, this one is a, a very deep cut, and it's probably not someone that anyone has ever heard of. But you are certainly aware of their work. So Tom Curdy is a Tony and Olivier award-winning producer. Most recently, he produced Town. Oh, love Town. And he also produced the off-Broadway revivals of Little Shop of Horror, Anastasia, and It's Only a Play. That one was starring Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick, and just a ton of other hit Broadway shows. He was married to the prolific playwright Terrence McNally, writer of fantastic shows like Ragtime, The Full Monty, Witness, and dozens more, who unfortunately passed away last year. And, little known fact, back in the 80s, Tom was a full-fledged member of the New York cast, playing Brad Majors. Now, I don't have a ton of details about it. I'm only aware of his involvement in Rocky through a couple of Facebook posts where he makes appearances in some photos from the 10th anniversary, but it's still super neat to see someone who was part of the community in years past that went on to produce some of the biggest shows that we've all heard of. Love it. Maybe you can hook Janet up with some Town tickets. Uh, uh, come on, Tom. Come on, please. <laughs> And I know Josh's question was strictly about Shadowcasters, but are there any celebrities that were part of the stage show that we should shout out? I was blown away when I heard about Russell Crowe playing Eddie before he got his big break. Kind of fitting, considering Eddie was also the role that launched Meatloaf into superstardom, among many others. I think I was most surprised to find out that Anthony Stewart Head launched his whole career with Rocky Horror. I always knew him as Giles from Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and to find out that he was the defining Frank for an entire generation of Rocky fans, that was super cool. And I can never look at him and Buffy quite the same way. Yeah, one of my favorite celebrity stage show actors has to be uh, Craig Ferguson. He appeared as Brad alongside Anthony Stewart Head's Frank. He absolutely lets his love of Rocky Horror fly. He did a uh, time warp intro when he was hosting The Late Show in 2011. And going back even further, he was part of the big Rocky Horror episode of the Drew Carey show, you know, back when that was on the air. Funny bit about that one, though. The episode features a big Rocky Horror versus Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, like, dance-off, where Craig's character opens the whole bit by saying about Rocky Horror... I'm sorry, Carrie, your drag is old. Our drag is new. (laughs) It's just fucking hilarious. Some other fun celebs that have taken part in the stage show over the years. Throwback to Trixie Mattel, even RuPaul got in on the action, playing Riff at the theatrical outfit in Atlanta in 1985. Tracy Ullman, famous for her comedy show that aired the original cartoon shorts that would become The Simpsons, played Janet in 1980 at the tail end of the show's run at London's Comedy Theatre. And Marina Sirtis, before becoming counselor Deanna Troy on Star Trek The Next Generation, played Magenta in the European tour in the mid-80s. 
And that's our show. We want to thank Fred for being an absolutely wonderful human being and Josh from the Irrational Masters for that awesome write-in. If anyone has a question they'd like us to answer on air for Nikki Asks a Question or some community news they'd like us to talk about or even a cool story to share with the community, we'd love to include it in our show. Just go to our website, rockytalkypodcast.com and fill out our contact form to tell us all about it. If you're enjoying Rocky Talkie, please help us out by rating, reviewing, and subscribing to the show. It makes the podcast more accessible to new listeners, which just helps us to grow the show. And if you want even more Rocky Talkie content, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok, all at Rocky Talkie Podcast. We'll talk to you all next week. Bye! See ya! Bye-bye! Bye! Beetle, do you have an opinion about this? Yes, he does. He's like, let me at him. Let me at him. (laughs) Haha, poops. Sorry. No, yeah, it's in the name. That's totally fair. It's really fucking hilarious. Oh my god. Uh, hold on. The dogs are having a meltdown. (laughs) They they cheer for the con. They really do. They're really pumped. Oh my god, the cat just sneezed all over me. Hold on. Oh, Yum. that's so disgusting. That's oh, so disgusting, yeah. cat. Cat sneeze. That's how you get high. Oh my god. Clue? Sure, Labyrinth. Jacob. No, not Labyrinth. Fuck, I meant Enchanted. Okay, anyway, move on. I didn't mean the, Enchanted Is it either. the one with the Muppets? Treasure Island? The piece of pirate? I think it's that yep. one. Yep, Treasure you Island. You got it. Yeah. Let's cut all Thanks. of this and then just watch <laughs> it instead. Thoughts? Watch what? It. Watch what? It. It what? It. But um, Abbott and Costello, everybody. Andrew would be Whatever. mad. Move on. <laughs> All right. I'm coming, wait for me. I hear the walls are meeting. You're going It sounds like jumping. Anyway. Can y'all, were one of y'all not going to chime in or like what? I don't, I don't know what that is. It was Hades Town, you stupid bitches. Goodbye. Oh, I haven't, I haven't seen it. <laughs>